Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Tom Law, the mountain bike presenter over on Bike Radar's YouTube channel. Today, I'm joined by Alex Evans, Senior Technical Editor on Bike Radar, to chat through a big, big launch in the world of electric mountain bikes that's got us pretty excited. But before we get started, how are you, Alex, and what else have you been working on recently? As I know, you're a busy, busy man who's always at the forefront of mountain bike tech. Yeah, so actually today's podcast, the subject of which has been something that's taken up a fairly significant amount of my time recently. I don't know if we want to do any spoilers. I think maybe the, the spoiler is probably in the title. The spoiler is probably in the title, yeah. So it's it's yeah. some big, something big that you've been working on over yeah. the past couple of weeks. But aside from today's topic, what else have you been up to? Yeah, so um, I've had Vitus's uh, e-bike, their new e-bike with Bafang Motor, um, which is actually conveniently themed for this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, and and kind of just just preparation for winter, basically. We're kind of looking at gloves tests, lights tests, base layers, all of those sorts of things that people are going to be looking for now that the days are getting shorter, in the Northern Hemisphere at least, and the mercury is beginning to drop yeah, it's had the heater on in the car for the first time the other day when I was coming back from a ride. I was like, yeah, winter is indeed coming. So that bike is for the headliners bike test that we've got coming up soon, isn't it? Yeah, which is I know it's also a test that you've been uh, you've been helping out with. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I've got Norco's Fluid FSC2, which is also my long term test bike, mm. going into that review. So I've been riding that an awful lot at the minute just to get that review done for the mag for the website and for the video as well and i've also still been riding curtis's am9 hardtail which again is something i've been really enjoying actually it's a bit of an odd build on the bike but i can't blame curtis for that but yeah i've been really enjoying that little bike it's been uh, been good fun nice cool that sounds sounds like you've got like a you know a good selection of selection of rigs to to go shredding on yeah definitely and i've borrowed pivots mark 4 sl for a shred with our video producer Matt Tuffin the other night as well, which reminded me just how much I love a really nice short travel, lightweight, down country style XC rig. Yeah, it was really good mm. fun that. But moving on to today's topic, and as we've already alluded to, kind of a giveaway in the title, but SRAM are introducing their new powertrain. We've had their transmission. We have their drivetrains and now we have their powertrain, which is a new e-bike motor from SRAM, which has long been expected and we've been seeing some spy shots around for a little bit now. So before we get into that, though, what I do want to do is give a plug to our email, which is podcast at biteradar.com. So if you have any thoughts on today's topics, whether you like the podcast or if you didn't like it, please let us know. We'd love to know what you think and leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice as well. We'd love to know that you're enjoying it. So, Alex, go into the lowdown on this new motor from SRAM. Yeah, blimey. It's, it's, it's quite a big deal. And it's a big deal for a couple of reasons. I think the most obvious reason is that it's a massive brand have entered the e-bike motor market, finally. So, you know, in, in SRAM's lineup, it's kind of been a, a, a fairly obvious hole. You know, they've got, they've got the gears, they've got the suspension, they've got wheels, they've got all sorts of things, but they haven't had an e-bike motor. So entering this market gives people 
way more options. You know, traditionally, you've had Shimano, you've had Bosch, there's been specialized motors and a host of others, uh, Yamaha included. Now you've got SRAM. And the second reason why this is so big is because of all of those other things that SRAM has in their lineup. Now, as far as I'm aware, no other e-bike motors create a full house, uh, e-bike motor manufacturers, sorry, create a full house of components. So you could essentially have your bike fully SRAMed up from top to tail. And I think, you know, this was kind of something that's maybe been ruminating in the SRAM camp for a long time. And now that the motor has launched, you can see why they've done certain things leading up to this with transmission, their latest sort of selection of gears being the biggest indicator and the biggest tell as, as to what's kind of been, been going on here. Now, transmission, if you guys don't know about it or if you need your yeah, memories jogging, basically is built on on-power gear shifts. And, you know, okay, removing the derailleur hanger, all this kind of stuff, you know, that's also an amazing part of it. But for, for the purpose of the motor, it's that on-power shifting. And suddenly it makes total sense. You know, why was SRAM so focused on developing this, this kind of on-power shifting technology? And that's because transmission integrates with powertrain. And that's so that they're two new technologies, which, you know, to be fair, aren't entirely brand new. They're not completely mind-blowing. You know, Shimano has has these things already on bikes with their new Linklide DI2 um, components in their EP8 motor. But that's auto shift and coast shift. So powertrain as a full house thing, you know, motor, drivetrain, shifters, the whole lot takes advantage of transmission's ability to shift under power by changing gears for you. So auto shift changes gears for you when you're pedaling. Coast shift changes gears for you when you're freewheeling. And, you know, these two things, that they're, they're really interesting for from like a, a developmental perspective, you know, in terms of innovation and, you know, it's kind of really pushing, pushing everyone on. It, if Shimano had just made this and everyone else kind of ignored it, you've got a bit of an outlier. But now there are two brands who are focusing on this type of technology and suddenly everyone else's ears are going to have to be caught pricking up and, you know, thinking, oh, hang on a second, maybe there's actually really something in this. Now, without giving too much away, I've obviously ridden powertrain and I've tried auto shift and I've tried co shift and genuinely, and it doesn't even pain me to say this because it's it's just true. It's really good. Like there are definitely scenarios, and we'll get onto this in a little bit, where you know maybe it's not quite so good, but there's ninety eight percent of the time it's it's genuinely something that people should at least be inquisitive about. You know, rather than just being instant naysayers, be like, hmm, that actually yeah. seems like something. You know, something that's quite trying. useful. I mean, I suppose that's the thing with any kind of new innovation. It's like there's always going to be a handful of occasions where it's not perfect because nothing ever is perfect. You know, I mean, like we've both had a pretty significant, well, you a lot more time on transmission than I have, but I feel like I've had enough time in it to be like 99% of the time it's faultless. Like you literally have no complaints about it whatsoever and again the pivot that i mentioned before i've been riding a little bit recently and again it's just kind of reinforced for me how good it is and you're definitely right about 
people wanting to they say it you know and just completely dismiss it but also that other brands are going to have to sit up and take notice so i've been reviewing trp's new evo 12 mechanical drivetrain recently and as part of that review process we're going to be doing a video where we compare it to its competitors from tram and shimano and while evo 12 it, it is good you know like it's a very very good competitive drivetrain but it's very expensive for what it is compared to its rivals and it does make you wonder whether anybody is going to be able to ever break that monopoly of SRAM and Shimano. And with technology like transmission and powertrain and link like DI2, like you say, in the world of e-bikes and their increased popularity, is anybody ever going to be able to break into that? So definitely an interesting, interesting scenario at the minute we've got with drivetrains and e-bike motors synergizing together synergizing i like it yeah absolutely and 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 that's definitely like you know what one of the big points here is that these the two big s's um out of the three big s's because i think specialized is also the specialized known, as the big s yeah as the big s so the, the other the other big s's you know i mean they don't have a monopoly on the market because that's ridiculous terminology but they they definitely have something they have something going on where they offer so many different bits of the product world that this integration is fully possible. So there's definitely a few caveats, however, with powertrain. And I guess the first one, while it's not like a sticky subject, it's certainly something that's worth pointing out straight away, is that it's not a SRAM-made motor. It's a Brose motor or Brose. So it uses the same design as Specialized slash Brose slash Brose motor. It's belt-driven. It's even the same shape. It uses the same mounting points. When you have a specialized bike next to a powertrain bike, you can certainly see the similarities in the frame silhouette. Now, while some people might be like, oh, you know, like you just said, oh, this is, you know, it's just a repurposed motor. It's actually not a bad thing. That Brose motor is well regarded. You know, it's got quite impressive, actually, since the update reliability, I don't know, had reliability track record. Um, you know, it's actually it's actually pretty good. And SRAM has basically developed their own tune for this motor. And on that software, the motor now delivers uh, 680 watts of power, which is actually up from specialized 560 something or whatever it is. Um, it still produces 90 newton meters of torque. But, you know, in, in on paper, at least, it's a little bit more powerful than the specialized version of this motor. It's uh, currently available with two batteries. So powertrain is going to come with a 630 watt hour or a 720 watt hour battery and a 250 watt hour range extender um, that can be plugged into either of those batteries. So the reason for two batteries, um, one of them is lighter and smaller, and it's designed for bikes with open down tubes i think would probably be the best way to describe it so a yeah. hole in the down tube where the battery would clip into place the 720 watt hour battery is for ones with a fully enclosed down tube and it slides in on a rail now what's also really interesting about powertrain and this is something that almost all other e-bike manufacturers can't currently do except maybe bosch i think is starting to do this it is it's completely wireless so the pod controllers that were launched when transmission launched, you know, the, the two little button guys that hang underneath the handlebars, they control everything. So that's everything from the motor through to your gears, your dropper seat post, and even potentially flight attendant, depending on how you've got all your controls set up. 
Um, and these basically use SRAM's access um, protocol, so the wireless protocol. Now, this makes the front end of the bike look so unbelievably clean. You've basically got two brake hoses, and that's it, nothing else. Everything nothing is done by these pod yeah. controllers, yeah. So and the reason why I said that- also, yeah, no, on, yeah, from the top tube as well, aren't they? Exactly, yep, completely. So the display, which is called the access bridge display, is integrated into the top tube. Now, those who have seen specialized TCU will recognize the kind of colors, the format, the shape of this display. But SRAM has added two buttons to the display surface. You've got an on-off button, but you've also got the access uh, pairing button on, on the display. So there's two buttons rather than just one compared to the specialized one. So I mentioned Bosch just a minute ago. Now, they have started to release uh, bikes with a Bluetooth mode controller remote. So uh, it's, it's much smaller, um, but it's still an additional piece of hardware that you need. So, you know, say you had a transmission equipped Bosch bike with an access reverb seat post, you'd still have your two pod controllers, but then you'd also have an extra mode controller. Um, and that's the same with all other e-bikes, basically. So Bosch has got rid of the cables by, you know, using a Bluetooth remote and also an inbuilt kind of display battery controller on the top of the top tube in the same way that Powertrain has in the same way that Specialized Bikes have. But they haven't completely mastered this full integration that SRAM has been able to do thanks to their full house uh, componentry, basically. So, you know, it, it's it's genuinely really interesting. At launch, it's it's going to be available on, on bikes from four brands. So you've got Nuteproof, Transition, Propane, and Gas Gas. Uh, currently don't have any pricing or uh, specific model names except the Nuteproof. I'm, I rode a megawatt. It's written on the top tube. Um, you know, the, the, you can't you can't shy away from what the pictures yeah, you can't say. Shy away from that one. Um, but I, I don't have any other details on any of those bikes. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at, really. That's where we're at. So, in comparison to other motors, and obviously we've talked about the 90 newton meters of torque and the 680 watts of assistance. So, we said that's higher than the Brose motor found on Specialized. It was also higher than Bosch and Shimano's EPA as well, both of which have 85 newton meters of torque. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess here, like, it's kind of tricky because it's so easy to get mega obsessed with, you know, torque figures and all the rest of it. And and there's definitely like a, a qualitative rather than quantitative thing to e-bike motors. You know, okay, one one might say it's got 500% assistance or however much torque or whatever. But out on the trail, it can feel completely different. The Bosch probably being the best example for this, you know, with only, 80, only 85 newton meters of torque, which is the same as the EP8, like you said, but less than a specialized motor and powertrain. It should, in theory, feel down on power. There's no denying still that if we strip away everything else, so all of the integrated system, all of the fancy access stuff, the Bosch motor is still the one to beat. And there's a few reasons for that. Not only is its power kind of the most natural feeling, but also the most rewarding. So the harder you pedal, the more power it gives. And I'll get onto this in a second. Whereas all the other motors, they kind of taper out once you go beyond a certain cadence range. The Bosch doesn't do that. It keeps giving. But what Shimano and Bosch also have 
that currently powertrain doesn't are reactive and adaptive modes. So you've got Shimano's Trail, Bosch's Tour Plus and EMTB. And like I said, the harder you pedal, the more output these give you. In this respect, powertrain, its mode is, is flat. It's not reactive. So there's a linear relationship between pedaling and power output, whereas on the Bosch and the Shimano, it's more of a curve. Um, yeah, it varies depending on the input you're trying. Again, I spent a little bit of time on EMTB mode on some of the Bosch motors. And you're right, it does feel like a more rewarding kind of thing. Um, I haven't ridden the new Performance Line CX Race from Bosch. I don't know if you've spent a bit of time on that, Alex. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, how, how does that compare to powertrain and also the standard Bosch motor for, for the people that don't know, such as myself? Yeah, sure. So um, the the race motor is just just lighter. Um, it's actually the the tune. Um, so uh, it gets rid of eco at the bottom end of the number of modes, and re replaces that with a race mode at the top end. And basically, that just gives you more power quicker and for longer. So it has a, a massively long overrun, which is great on the climbs. Can be a little dicey when you're descending. So say you do a half crank to reposition your pedals, the motor will give you drive. And if you do that on a steep section, you're going to be fighting it with your brakes, which is, you know, uh, maybe something you might want to avoid. So yeah, might when you, avoid yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the main difference. Compared to that, I guess the overrun on powertrain is is shorter. You know, it, it, it feels kind of, it's quite a bit shorter actually than, than the Bosch motor and Shimano uh, when it's set to to its highest output setting, this just means that you know sometimes you've got to time your repositioning of your pedal strokes a little bit more carefully when you're climbing because as soon as you stop pedaling, the motor's assistance cuts out much quicker than than the other than the other competitors. So that's kind of where you're at with that one. I think maybe it's probably just worth talking a little bit about auto shift and co shift. Yeah, absolutely. In slightly more detail, so. In my opinion, at least, these are probably the the crown jewel in in SRAM's, you know, Eagle powertrain. Um, except for all of the beautifully integrated system and you know all the pod controllers and everything else, it's this bit of technology that they've clearly worked hardest on. And basically, what these do is that they change gear to so auto shift specifically changes gear whilst you're pedaling to keep you. At a very uh, within a cadence window, so say you have a preference for spinning up the climbs for you know you like maybe ninety to hundred RPM. Auto shift can do that for you. It can basically hold you at that RPM for the entire time that you're riding, and the way it does this is that it uses a cadence sensor within the motor and a speed sensor on the back wheel. Now traditionally, e-bike speed sensors use one magnet. Powertrain uses multiple. I think there's maybe five or six in there. And what so this it's does quite, is quite different then to a lot of other brands that are out yeah, there. Yeah, massively different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it uses six six magnets at the speed sensor, or, or however many it is. You know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot more than one at least. And what that means is that the data it supplies, the speed data that it supplies to the motor, is much richer. It's much higher in quality. So it doesn't have to wait for one entire revolution for the magnet to, to the sensor to pick up the magnet. So the speed data is it's quicker and it's more accurate. And you combine this with the cadence sensor and the torque sensor inside the motor. And the bike can basically select the most appropriate gear 
for you know the, the trail conditions but also your preferences so auto shift can be adjusted between seven settings you've got minus three and plus three and the way to think about these settings is to think about your cadence window and by setting it to minus three you will bias a lower cadence so those who like to grind up a hill will prefer minus three plus three on the other hand shifts it the other way those who prefer to spin up a hill will like plus three or at least the higher end now if you set your bike to the mid setting, which is the middle one, the seventh position, um, you know, it, it feels pretty normal. And this is most suited to, say, trundling along a flat fire road. Head up a super steep climb and you'll probably want to be up towards the, the plus end of the scale. If you're bombing along a flat road, you might want to shift it down to the other end of the scale to let you just tick over nice and slowly and chug along. And, you know, SRAM says basically... Um, auto shift algorithm is like the bike's sixth sense it helps riders stay laser focused on their ride and you know usually marketing material you're like oh god i roll here we go <laughs> yeah but so I, I rode the bike in quite a few different scenarios winch and plummet style riding um but also at the glantress trail center which is renowned for its rather undulating um you know tricky 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 trail center loops basically and it, it just made total sense. It was incredible. And I know that's maybe a little bit hyperbolic, but my God, I didn't have to think about anything. I didn't have to think about the gears. I didn't have to think about anything. I literally just had the seat post and me riding the bike on the terrain. Those are the only two things I had to think about. And this was where it really stood out as something that's not just a lip service technical you know, innovation. It's not just something that's shiny and new. It genuinely has... A, a fantastic amount of rider benefit um yeah absolutely if you've got more headspace to concentrate on the trail whether that's climbing or descending or even just meandering along like that extra sort of room that you have to to concentrate on the trail like on a, on a technical climb like that could be the difference between having a dab and not having a dab you know because yeah. you just know that the bike is going to look after it for you or if you're dropping into a technical sort of descent and you're not sure you know what gear you need to be in or anything like else like that that minute sort of doubt in your head is removed from the equation and you can fully focus on the line you're taking your breaking points your weight distribution it should in theory make your life a little bit easier um, and can though with those auto shift functions are they changed from the pod controller so you can adjust them on the fly or is it from the lcd display Yep. So everything, everything that you need to do can be done via the pod controllers, basically. So um, it's a combination of long and short pushes of the, of the buttons. Um, I can't remember now exactly off the top of my head, but basically you would long press the top right hand pod controller and then it accesses um, the auto shift uh, adjustment. And you then just click between the modes using using the pod controllers Um so, you know, it's it's super easy to do whilst you're riding. Um, you know, it's incredibly intuitive. And I, I found the thing that surprised me the most was was how it transformed my riding style, I guess would be the best way to describe it. So, you know, usually I'm 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 quite careful. I've I've got quite a quite a, a large amount of mechanical sympathy. I'm sort of I'm that type of person. Like Unlike I'm, I'm me. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I'm I'm careful with things. I, I like to be careful, you know, I'm, not, I'm just that type of guy. And what happened here was I didn't give a monkeys. I literally couldn't care. 
I, I would just rode the bike as hard and as fast as I could. And that was so much fun. I let the transmission gears deal with shifting under power. And I let the bike deal with choosing what gear I needed to be in. And as long as I'd set the auto shift to the right setting for my preferences, which was between plus one and plus two, um, I do like to spin. It was brilliant. It was genuinely, absolutely brilliant. Now, it's worth saying there are definitely ways that you can not trick the system, but the, the system kind of doesn't quite work. So, for example, you're on a climb and ahead of you is a steeper ramp, so a short, sharp ramp. And generally what I'll do, regardless of whether I'm riding an e-bike or a normal normal bike, I will increase my pedal cadence to up my speed, but I won't change to a harder gear. And that's to increase momentum to crest over the steep thing. And, you know, I think that's a pretty universally shared technique between oh, yeah, absolutely. all mountain yeah. bikers. Yeah. You know, you just put a couple more cranks in, spin up, you don't change gear, yep. you know, just to give you that bit of extra momentum. But I guess in this case with auto shift, it's going to think, oh, well, you're pedaling faster. You want to change to a harder gear when actually, obviously, you don't. You want to stay in the same gear. Exactly. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. That's precisely what it does. And, you know, that's pretty invariable when your cadence extends beyond a certain point, it's going to change gear. Now, there are a few ways around this. The first way is that you can actually cancel or preempt auto shift. So if you know that you're about to do this, you click the easier gear button on your pod controller. And what the bike does is it actually holds that gear for a little bit longer. So it'll give you enough time to crest over this steep climb, increase your cadence without changing gear. The other thing you can do is remove that mechanical sympathy element to your brain and just let the bike deal with it. Now, that's definitely not the right way of doing it. No. But, Especially you know, what it, is quite an expensive system as well. Sure. The transmission and everything. Yeah, exactly. And But I, it didn't feel like I was being penalised for doing that, though. So the bike did deal with it. And, you know, whilst there was maybe an extra gear change in there that you wouldn't usually expect there to be, it 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 was fine. You know, it was okay. So on the one hand, you've got this absolutely brilliant system that's kind of incredible at what it does on, say, trail center riding. There are a few scenarios. And, you know, earlier when we were talking about the 98% of the time, this is that 2% of the time where you actually have to intervene with SRAM's algorithm and kind of control the bike and tell the bike what to do. Now, for some, that might be, well, it completely defeats the purpose of having this. For others, they might say, well, do you know what? If I don't have auto shift, I'm going to have to shift gear and think about this sort of thing anyway. Mm. So what additional input am I having to have into the bike? Well, actually, yeah. it's no additional input to what you would normally do. It's just more than what you would expect to have to do with something that's called auto shift. I also found that it took me a while to build trust in the, in the system to kind of understand when it was going to do what it was going to do. But once I trusted it, you know, I, I mean, I, I initially used the word liberating, but I think that's maybe... Maybe not, not quite, not quite. Too I think it's maybe, word. yeah, too, too, too strong. I think, you know, it was kind of like, it, it was just really good. Like it, it genuinely, once I'd learned what the system was going to do and it got accustomed to how it worked, it was brilliant. 
I, I didn't need to focus on that type of thing. So auto shift, that, that's kind of auto shift in a nutshell. The accompanying technology with this is co-shift. Yeah, which I'm guessing is similar to the system that you find on pinion, because obviously you're not always pedaling on a bike and on a system that demands cadence. If you're not pedaling, it's not going to do anything. So coast shift, I'm guessing, uses the bike's speed to shift into a gear that is appropriate for when you want to get back on the pedals. A hundred percent, exactly. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what it does, basically. And this one relies on on the speed, speed of your bike. So the speed sensor, once again, that rich data coming into play. So if you're either accelerating or decelerating whilst freewheeling, the bike will constantly, well, not necessarily constantly, the bike will be changing gear to put you in an appropriate gear for that speed. Now, I presume SRAM's algorithm here has some kind of matrix table that has speeds and cadences matched together so that you don't need the additional cadence input. It can um, logically discern what gear you need to be in to put you in the right cadence depending on your speed so the best way to think about this is if you're freewheeling down a really fast hill you start slowly you speed up you know the joys of gravity your bike will slowly shift into a harder and harder gear if you begin to gently apply your brakes you slow down your bike will slowly shift into an easier and easier gear now this happens by the motor turning the drivetrain independently from your pedal cranks. Now it can do this because there's a freewheel inside the motor as well as the as the, on the rear hub. So it turns the chain ring, it doesn't churn the pedal cranks. This turns the cassette and the chain and the derailleur can then shift up and down the cassette depending on what it needs to do. This happens incredibly discreetly. You know, it, it's going on all the time. And you know, if you point a GoPro at it and you accelerate, decelerate, you can see that it's happening but you don't actually know it's happening. The, the only tell is if you've got a noisy freewheel, that the, the noise will, will go away. You know, it will be, it'll be slightly quieter because your, your freewheel is no longer freewheeling on the hub. It, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's engaged, exactly. Um, and to avoid these inputs interfering with the way you're riding, it turns the freewheel slower than the wheel is spinning, um, you know, which... Obviously, it isn't that hard to do because, you know, hopefully you'll be going at least 10 kilometers an hour, probably something like that. So, you know, to turn the, to turn the drivetrain that quickly is not, not a problem. This means that in theory, you will always be in the right gear for your current riding speed. Now, this is kind of the same problem that we were talking about uh, with auto shift when you as a person on your bike, you're reading the trail ahead, you're preempting what is happening. You're not reactive. You're sorry, you're not reacting. You, you yeah. are, you're proactively choosing to do things. And with the sensor technology currently available or the ones that, you know, SRAM has used in powertrain, it's a reactive system. It's not a proactive system. So co-shift whilst really genuinely good in 98% of the scenarios once again you know inside that bell curve keeping it within the extremes if you go flat out down a really fast freewheel section with a short sharp ramp up the other side where you'll decelerate really quickly but also need to pedal there isn't enough time for coast shift to compensate for your quick deceleration and you'll find that you'll be in a much harder gear than you expect to be. An auto shift then basically needs to catch the bike up to what you want to be doing. And this is all happening 
you know, on the fly, but sort of slightly in the past. It, it, it's, you know, it's reacting to what your bike's doing. Yeah, it's it's a reactive rather than an active system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you'll get to, you'll get sort of, you know, a little bit of the way at this climb and you'll be like, holy moly, I am in an incredibly hard gear. And once again, there's a couple of ways of, of dealing with this. Number one is just to let the system manage it, you know, find the bike's going to shift gear whilst you're essentially probably giving it maximum torque and watts, you know, in terms of at least the e-bike power, maybe not your human power. And you're then relying on transmissions, critically acclaimed ability to shift under load. The other thing you can do is that you could preempt it in the same way that you would do if you were riding a bike without auto shift and co-shift. So as you're freewheeling down the hill, you know, you would probably instinctively select easier gears in preparation for the steep ramp that you know is coming up because you've got eyes, a brain ahead, you know what's coming. So once again, there are ways to ride around, you know, the very, very limited shortcomings of auto shift and co-shift. Yeah. I you suppose know, it, that brings us neatly onto potentially what the future holds for such systems. So it, are we going to see a world where everything is integrated, your suspension, your drivetrain, your e-bike powertrain into a system that could be linked to your GPS, perhaps? Obviously, we've had um, active systems, and I always bring this back to cars, but in Formula One back in the day, they had active suspension, where basically the suspension was able to keep the car at a level ride height throughout the course of the track because it knew where the car was on the track at any given time. Obviously, a lot of people now ride with GPS head units. So in theory, you could have all of these systems linked up to your GPS. So when it sees those little varies in terrain, which is normally, it's that transition, isn't it, Alex, from descending to climbing or from one gradient of, of climb to a steeper section or vice versa, that really seems to catch the system out in those few limited circumstances. So do you think that could be where things will go in future? Yeah, I mean, it. you know, I, I kind of, I kind of speculated about lidar sensors and you know neural link integrating to the bike and then um super technical editor-in-chief wizard rob rob weaver um senior i can't can't remember full full title big dog basically said (laughs) oh why don't you just download a gpx of your ride to the bike yeah you know and then all, all you need is 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 to have either you ridden the trails that you're currently riding or someone else to have done so and you to proactively choose to put that ride into the bike and then with the GPS, it knows what's coming. You know, alternatively, I mean, without talking about competitors, there's obviously Trail Forks, which knows what trails are. You know, it has that mapping built into, into multiple devices, whether that's on your phone or Garmin. Equally, Strava Heat Maps does the same thing, Strava Segments. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily need to choose to ride a specific trail the system would actually know what trail you're already on simply via via GPS yeah. and, and using your mobile data. So there are certainly easier ways to do it without integrating, you know, yeah, your brain G- into your GPS file, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. or yeah, literally plugging yourself into the yeah. bike and into the technology. Yeah. yeah, I suppose like your, your, you know, your Garmin or insert other brand of GPS head unit, it knows when you're going onto a Strava live segment. So you don't yep. even need to be a full GPX file that, you know, yep. if you want to go off and explore, that's where that side of it falls down a little bit because a, a GPX file is a fixed thing. 
Yeah. But if it integrates into Strava live segments or trail forks, you can be going anywhere you want to. And it yeah. will know, all oh, right, OK, then this is what this looks like. I can now adjust myself to yeah. this particular sort of terrain, which is, is crazy to think. Like yeah. you think how far the technology has come in a relatively short period of time, really, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I mean, yeah, so, uh, Shimano's, you know, equivalent. That was only launched, I think it was last year or the year before. You know, it's it's not it's not old technology, and what we've just described isn't inconceivable. You know, it's no. it's it's you know perfectly it's perfectly logical to do within the confines of the technology that we have you know, excluding LiDAR and Neuralink and all the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Um, it's a little yeah. bit far, yeah. We'll just be integrating uh, Strava into our own bodies, which to be fair, at some points, it does feel like I do do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a real panic the other day when I hadn't set Strava going. It's literally ruined my whole day. Uh, right, uh, so that would be quite it doesn't handy. count, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't count, count, yeah, count. it's not Strava, yeah. it, it doesn't count. So, um, so yeah. So finally, Alex, in comparison to everything else, you've talked briefly how it compares to, to Bosch. So you still, in your opinion, Bosch is setting the benchmark as far as a simple e-bike motor goes. Perhaps as a system, it's not quite as fully integrated as powertrain is. But if you were to purely have to pick an e-bike motor, Bosch would still be your choice, you think? Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably fair. I think what, what I'd love to do is I'd love to take Bosch's feel and power and then combine it with powertrains innovation basically would i think would be the you know that that would be the the sweet spot in terms of battery life so i personally managed uh 1800 meters of ascent on a single charge uh that's with 15 percent battery left and i had the 720 watt hour battery during the launch i was joined by danny milner um mbr's editor he had a 630 watt hour battery and Danny ran out of power after 1,550 meters of ascent. Um, completely ran out. So his his battery was flat. Completely dead. Yeah. Those are obviously two different rides. I didn't just leave leave Danny for, you know, <laughs> <laughs> leave him in the forest to deal with his own mess. The, we, we stopped riding once he'd run out, which I think was the, the nice way to do it. The, the nice way to do it, yeah. Danny's a nice guy. He is. So all of that to say... Um, Battery life, it's it's pretty comparable. It's unsurprisingly comparable to Specialized. Yeah, yeah, strange that. Uh, but um, you know, it's it's roughly the same as as Shimano's ba- battery life with a six thirty watt hour battery. I think maybe you probably expect to get slightly less on the Shimano, and it's it's about on the money for Bosch. Um, Bosch would probably get ever so slightly more in equivalent modes, and that's certainly one thing we haven't spoken about is modes. Yes. Powertrain actually only has two modes. You know, Keeps which it simple. Yeah, it is. And and you know, in, in a world of eco, tour plus, EMTB, race, turbo, you know, all of these other ones, having just two modes, some people will be like, Oh, well that's not very good, is it? Yeah, um, it definitely seems to be a bit of a, an arms race when it comes to how many modes can you have. Yeah. You know, it's like how many gears can you have on your bike? You know, there is a, a theme for that with with modes. And especially with this not having an adaptive mode like Bosch and Shimano mm. do, it yeah. does seem to be limited because that is effectively an infinite amount of modes. So certainly, I mean, the, the only thing that would be their saving grace is that in the Access smartphone app, you can change the modes outputs. Um, so whilst they're not, 
adaptive in terms of the harder you pedal, the more assistance they give, they they can be modified. So you could set that they're called range and rally. Range is for obviously extending a battery life. Rally is for going as hard and as fast as you can. You could set your range mode to feel identical to rally. You could set rally to be equivalent to an eco. You, you could do whatever you fancy, basically. So within the app, you do have the scope to do that. And making those changes and adjustments are super quick and easy. It does mean pulling your phone out. It does mean having your phone with you. So, you know, while you might have more scope on a Bosch or Shimano or Yamaha or whatever bike with additional modes to change between those things whilst you're on the fly, just because it only has two modes, it doesn't mean that you can't set your bike up to be like a super eco, you know, go all day. Another thing that it might disappoint people is those looking for a lightweight TMTB option. Obviously, Luke is testing the Scott Lumen, which is going in that headliner test that we mentioned earlier. So this is obviously with the size of the motor and also the batteries as well. It's not going to be one that appeases the crowd looking for a Scott Lumen and or Bayerise and or specialised SL kind of thing. So no, um, definitely not. In a minute, yeah, the, still I think quite that limited. It is, yeah, it definitely is. And the the motors claim to weigh uh, two point nine kilos. Um, so it's which, heavier than Bosch and Shimano then? Fractionally, I think. Mm. Um, I've, I'm just pulling up my, my lovely I spreadsheet. A, yeah, you've the got Bosch it, you got it there. claim CX race is 2.75 kilos and okay. Shimano, I don't believe they've put 2.6, I think it might be. I think it's 2.6, I remember. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, that's 2.6 kilos. So it is slightly heavier than the other systems that are out there. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the batteries are much of a muchness, really. You know, the technology is largely the same across the board, really. So yeah. the batteries are going to be very similar in weight to the other brands. Yeah, but yeah, it's definitely not going to appease people that want a sub twenty kilo lightweight EMTB. And I, I think, I think maybe you'd you'd struggle. I, I think if you, I mean, these sorts of motors, they're generally fitted to enduro style e bikes. You know, that was certainly the 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 nuke proof that i rode is an enduro e-bike i think maybe if you were incredibly uh nifty with your build or were willing to make compromises here or there i think you could shed some weight um i think there'd be easy ways to do that expensive ways but yeah. easy ways so you know there is maybe the potential to to slim to slim the bikes down but that that's the same for any full fat e-bike you know whether that's from any manufacturer um, so yes, you're right. There isn't, you know, this is a full fat motor. There isn't, um, there isn't an SL version. Um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I, I don't know this, but I think it would be fair to speculate that there'll be one brewing. Um, yeah, I, I can't the imagine there won't be. Was specialised, you know, obviously with well with Bros doing that motor. Although Bros don't make specialised. No, it's Marla, isn't it? Yeah, it's Marla that make those, and obviously there's TQ as well. But it's not a leap to think that. SRAM are happy to team up with an existing e-bike motor manufacturer for a full fat motor. It doesn't take a massive stretch for them to team up with somebody else to do a lightweight version with the same kind of features. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, th I think that, that kind of that's kind of like, you know, pretty pretty top line stuff on on SRAM's Eagle powertrain. You know, and it it, it is, it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, Very anytime a, a manufacturer of of SRAM's size and you know, importance because you know they are a hugely important manufacturer in the in the industry. You know, they they are innovating things and they are producing new products all the time. You know, everything from flight attendant to transmission to 
you know, your, your quark, your shock whizzes, you know, stuff like that. And it, it's, it's super cool. It's super interesting seeing them bring out something that's got so much integration. You know, it, it's, it's currently unprecedented. And I think maybe that's what steps it ahead of, ahead of Shimano with, with their equivalent free shift and auto shift. I think they're, I think Shimano's technologies are called on their link glide. You know, they don't have a suspension fork that can be tied into the whole no, thing. They don't have no, a drop post. They have tight connections with with Fox in terms yeah. of Shimano. Shimano don't have that suspension outlet. I mean, that is effectively the kind of the level of news that this is for SRAM if them introducing an e-bike motor. It is like Shimano, even if it was just a rebranded Fox sort of suspension unit. It is like Shimano introducing, you know, you know, a fork and rear shock to go with their their yeah. e-bike motors. That's the level of news that we're talking about here. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you have any questions, we'd love to know your thoughts. So send them in to us at podcast at bikeradar.com before. Alex, thank you very much for joining me today to discuss Shram's e-bike motor. And we'll speak to you all very soon. Well, thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Yeah. Cheers, Alex. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.